Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you all are connecting with us this Christmas season. If you're new to our church, my name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline. And if you're not around Florida much, maybe you don't know, but this is the Christmas season for us too. Uh, you can tell we're getting close to Christmas. We've cut our grass, getting ready for all of our family members to come over on Christmas Day. We want it to look nice. Some of you have gone to the beach and you've made your sand man. I've already gotten your pictures. Thank you for those great pictures with your sand man. And you can always tell it's Christmas time in Florida because we start wearing socks with those sandals. Uh, so you know <laughs> it's getting cold. So we are glad that you're here and we are glad that you are letting us be a part of your Christmas celebration. And we're closing out today this series uh, about the movies of Christmas, and we've just hit on a few of them, but today we're going to talk about one of my favorite Christmas movies, Elf. Now, if you don't know about the movie Elf, Elf uh, was actually a little boy in an orphanage who, who snuck into Santa's bag on Christmas Eve and ended up at the North Pole, and he then grows up and is raised by an elf named Papa Elf. But eventually, Buddy the elf discovers there's something different about him. <laughs> he, he's huge. He's different. And he is finally told that he's actually not an elf. He's a human. And that he was adopted. And that his mother had passed away since he was born. And his father, who lives in New York City, doesn't even know that he exists. And so the movie is about him going to New York City to discover a relationship with his father, but also to restore the Christmas spirit by helping people believe in Santa once again. As a matter of fact, here's Buddy's philosophy, Buddy the Elf's philosophy about how to spread Christmas cheer. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And you know, Christmas is a cheerful, joyful time. We, we sang it just a moment ago, didn't we? One of my favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World. Christmas is a joyful, cheerful time. And maybe there's somebody in your life who just exudes the joy of Christmas. But maybe you're going through a time where it's hard to feel the joy of Christmas. You know, our problems don't take holidays, do they? And sometimes our joyful Christmas can turn into a stressful Christmas. For you, maybe the stressful Christmas is the family get-together is always filled with tension, but it feels like even more perhaps this year than in years past. Or for some of you, the stress is you're having to bounce around on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to make sure that you see everyone in your family that's been divided by divorce. Or perhaps this year it's hard to get very joyful because it's going to be the first Christmas without someone special in your life around the table or the Christmas tree. For some people, it's hard to be joyful because they're struggling financially and they're, they're, they're thinking, I, I want to do so much more for my children, but I can't. We just, we just can't afford it. Maybe for you, the stress of Christmas is not financial or relational, it's physical. Your body is sick. And you're, you're, you're taking a break only because of Christmas from doctor's appointments and tests and procedures. And you're not sure what this next year holds. And it's hard to feel joyful when it feels like your body is conspiring against you. And maybe if you're a, a parent of, of a child who's grown and gone now, 
Uh, it's hard to be joyful when they're not walking with the Lord. I don't care how old you get, you're, you're always concerned about your kids and their well-being. No matter where they go and what they do, you want everything to be right with them, especially with the Lord. And it can kind of hurt your joy whenever you don't see them understanding the true meaning of Christmas. I don't know what it is about you or what you're dealing with, but maybe you're on the joyful spectrum and things are going well. I'm so grateful and I think you're going to enjoy this uh, message today that we tie in with Elf. But maybe, maybe you're on the other side of it right now. It's, it's not joyful for you. And I believe there's a reason you're here. I think God has this as a divine appointment for you. You know, Jesus often told stories and used parables and everyday illustrations to communicate spiritual truths. And I think there's some truth that we can learn today from this story, this fictional story called Elf. But I want you to catch a glimpse of how joyful Buddy the Elf was when he first went to New York City and discovered the wonders of New York City. Watch this first clip. And if you're online with us today, by the way, we're going to show three clips. I think the longest one's about three minutes long. Copyright, we can't show it to you, but just hang in there. In fact, why, why don't you do this? Leave me a comment today and, and tell me, are you joyful today? And, and what brings you joy this Christmas? And then we'll be right back with you as we look at this. Buddy seems to be one of the most joyful people you could ever meet. He would just be someone fun to hang around with. And you look at Buddy when he's discovering New York City for the first time, and you think he doesn't have a care in the world. His life must be perfect. And maybe you're thinking, I would be joyful if my life was perfect too. I would be joyful if my life was as easy and slick as a movie character, but I live in the real world and I've got problems and stresses and relationship struggles and financial issues and health and bills and a job. And if I didn't have all that, I would be joyful. But listen, Buddy's life wasn't perfect either. And here's a lesson that if you want to take a note, you might want to jot this down or at least bank it in your memory. You don't have to have an ideal life to have a joyful life. You don't have to have an ideal life to have a joyful life. We sometimes think that if life was perfect, then we would be joyful. And if that's the case, you will never truly experience true, lasting joy. Because life is not perfect. We are not perfect. The circumstances of our lives often crowd in on us, out of our control, and can steal a lot of our joy if we are not careful but we sometimes have this mistaken notion that life has to be ideal, life has to be perfect, and it's not. I don't care what image we present on social media, we know the real story is our lives are not perfect. It doesn't matter what filter you use to present your person or your family to the world, behind that filter is an imperfect life that is not always ideal. And sometimes we look at other people and we think, they must have the perfect life, and if I had their life, I would be joyful. Only to discover they don't have a perfect life either. Maybe they're showing you their best. Maybe they're putting up a front. Maybe they're putting up on a good show. But no one has an ideal life. We all are hurting. We're all struggling. We all have our problems and our pains. That was true of Buddy the Elf. 
I want to go back in time when he's still at the North Pole, and I want you to see how he discovers his life is not so ideal. Watch this clip, and hang with us if you're watching online. Buddy discovered that being a human isn't always so easy, right? And I think you have that in common with him. Being human is not easy. There are problems and stresses, and we sometimes get overwhelmed or we feel like we don't fit in or we feel like there's something wrong with us and all of that can sap our joy if we're not careful. And, and one of the things that I think would be helpful for all of us is to understand there's a difference between joy and happiness. And I think sometimes we miss that distinction. You see, happiness is based on what happens to you. That's where we get the word happiness from. It, it speaks of your circumstances, your happenstances. What happens to you brings happiness to you. If you have good fortune, you're happy. If you have good health, you're happy. If everything is going great in the marriage or with your family, you're happy. If your job is fulfilling, you're happy. If your circumstances are good, you can be happy. But if bad things happen to you, you're not happy. You're unhappy. You're devoid of happiness, and happiness is fickle, and happiness is external, and happiness will leave you disappointed. So while happiness is based on what happens to you, joy is based on what happens in you. Joy is based on what happens in you. Joy is this settled understanding of peace and contentment. Even when things aren't going well around me, I can still have joy. And that's the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is, what based, joy is based on what happens in you. Another way to put it is this. Happiness is the product of your situation, but joy is the product of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit working in you to bring you joy. And can I be honest with you just for a moment? Well, that doesn't always sound right, does it? What have you been lying this whole time? But just for a moment, let me be honest. Well, let me be vulnerable uh, for a moment. I can tell you I've preached this for all of my ministry, that happiness and joy are different. And happiness is based on your situation, but joy is the work of God's Spirit. And I've preached it because it's in the Word of God, and I believe it. But I've also seen it firsthand. I can tell you from our family, with my dad's passing, that we weren't happy at all times, about what he was going through. But even as my dad was suffering, there was a joy that he had that can only be described as the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. In one moment, he could be racked with pain, and in the next moment, cutting jokes with us. In one moment, he could be hurting. In the next moment, he could be telling us, God's got a place for me, and I'm going to be okay, and you are all going to be okay. Can I tell you the difference between happiness and joy? Happiness is based on your situation. Joy is the work of the Holy Spirit of God, and that's what we really need in this life. The world wants to sell you cheap happiness. The world wants to tell you happiness is what you can buy, what you can hold, what you can have, but God offers you something far greater than happiness. He offers you joy that will sustain you through the ups and the downs of life, through the victories and the defeats of life, 
through the, the happy times and the hurtful times of life. He offers you joy. Here's how Paul put it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there's no law. Nobody says these things are wrong. Everybody knows these are the good things of life. These are the things money can't buy, death can't take away. These are the things that are not the product of you working harder and trying harder and doing better and owning more possessions. No, these are the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence at work in your life, even in times where your life is not ideal, God still offers you joy, joy, a settled peace. That all is well, even when all is not going well in life. And why should that surprise us that God is able to work this kind of joy in our less than ideal lives? The first Christmas story is all about people whose lives were not ideal. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and think about Joseph. You remember that story. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That's a good secret, by the way, to experiencing joy is knowing the Lord is with you. Look at verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I mean, she's just a young teenage girl, but she knows the ABCs and the birds and the bees. She knows this is not the way babies come into the world. Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And look down to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Later, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth her cousin. And it says in verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit, what's the word? Rejoices. 
My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Think about this. Her life was not ideal. She is engaged to a man to be married. And now she's pregnant and she's got to break the news to him. And she knows it's going to be a stretch for him to believe the story of a virgin birth. It's not the way it works in our world. And eventually, knowing that her future that she had planned has now been altered by God's plan. And God's plan is always good, but it's not always easy. God was calling her to do something amazing, to be the mother of the Son of God, to be the one through whom the Messiah would come into the world. And think about Joseph. His life wasn't ideal. There he is. He's found a beautiful, godly woman to be his wife. They're in this engagement period, and then he hears the news that she's pregnant, and it just devastates him. Doesn't want to disgrace Mary, but he knows the marriage is over. We can't go forward with this. Her child is not my child. And then an angel appears to him and says, no, no, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. You'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And there, Joseph's whole world was changed, and he embraced God's plan. God's plan is always good, but it's not always easy. It doesn't mean you will always have an ideal life. When you come to faith in God and you live for God, sometimes life is more difficult, but it's still the right thing to do. And how does Mary respond to this less than ideal situation? She said, my soul rejoices. In God my Savior. I find joy not in my situation. I find joy in God my Savior. The Lord who is with me. Nothing can touch that. Nothing can change that. Having a personal relationship with God. Back in Luke chapter 1 verse 48. Mary says the reason she rejoices in her God. Is for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And you say, that's great, Ricky. This is the Christmas story. That's about Mary. That's about Joseph. That's not my life. But listen to what Mary says about your life. Verse 50, and his mercy, God's mercy, God's loving kindness is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary says, my God can be your God. The loving kindness of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God, the joy of God can be yours no matter what generation you find yourself in if you will simply revere, respect, fear the Lord. Humble yourself before him and know that no matter what changes in your life, no matter how the circumstances come and go, shift like the sand on the seashore, your faith is in a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, and you can find joy in knowing him. You know what brought my dad joy? In these last few years, and especially these last few months and last few weeks before his passing, it wasn't just the company he built and the, the projects that he completed and the reputation that he had and the houses that he built. 
And to be honest with you, the true joy of his life went beyond just his wife and the children that he had and his grandchildren. All of that he saw as a fruit of one relationship, the relationship with Jesus Christ, his Lord and his Savior, that sustained him through it all. Before his passing, he reminded me of his testimony. He said, Ricky, I would watch you and Sharon and Greg with your mom get up on Sunday mornings after you had been saved. And you would all get up and you would be happy and cheerful on Sunday morning. You would get dressed and you would go to church. I would sit home and drink. Miserable. And then you would come home after lunch. He said you would all just burst into the house laughing, talking about what you learned at church that day. And he said it just convicted me. What am I doing with my life? And he said one Sunday you all left, went to church. And I now know, he said, it was the Lord that spoke to me. You can keep doing what you're doing and be miserable with momentary happiness. Or you can turn your life over to me. And that joy you see in them, you can have. My dad said, I got up. I went and poured out all the liquor in the house down the drain. And I said, Jesus, you can have me now. This has had me too long. You can have me now. That's the secret to joy. Not your circumstances, not what's in your bank account, not what other people think of you, not in your health. Your, your true joy, peace, contentment is found in knowing God through faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Discovering His mercy is available to you no matter what but to be honest with you, there's a lot of imposters that want to promise joy when they can't do it. Drugs, alcohol cannot give you this kind of joy. A new relationship with another human being cannot give you the kind of joy we're talking about today. Money and houses and cars cannot give you the kind of joy that we're talking about today. Being popular on social media, young people, is not the source and secret of joy. Trying to live up to the perfection and standards other people place on you is not the secret to joy. Even religion, going through the motions, is not the secret to joy. Don't fall for an imposter. There's just one more clip. If you're online, hang on. You're doing so good you're still with us. This is just like a two-minute clip, so don't go anywhere. I got something important to say, but, but for the rest of you, watch this clip. Buddy knew an imposter when he saw one. He was not going to fall for the fake Santa. He knew that true Christmas cheer comes from knowing the real Santa. And he didn't want these boys and girls to be fooled by this fake Santa. And friend, I don't want us to be fooled by the 
fake imposters that promise joy but can't deliver it. They may can deliver some temporary happiness from here and there and from time to time, but true joy, true joy, real joy, comes from knowing the real Jesus. That's where real joy comes from. Real joy comes from knowing the real Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ the Savior coming into this world on a rescue mission for each one of us. And Jesus came to give us joy. This is how he put it in John chapter 15, verse 11. He said to his disciples, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my, say the word, joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus says, I give you my joy And then your joy can overflow because it's a joy that you got from me, from knowing me, from loving me, from humbling yourself before me. Jesus comes to give us lasting joy when we know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And for some of you, you already know Jesus as your Savior, and I'm so grateful for that. And even though maybe uh, this has been Christianity 101 for you this morning. Let's just remember this Christmas season when we get down, when we get discouraged, go back to Jesus. Go back to him. Put your faith in him. Renew your faith in him. Learn more about him. Focus on him. Worship him. Talk to him. Gather with his people and you'll discover a measure of joy that the world cannot give you. But if you've never received Jesus as your savior, I want to encourage you today to trust him. Here's your homework for all of us. Answer this question. Do you know him? Do you know the real Jesus? Do you know him? And if you're not sure, or if you would say, no, I don't. Or if you were like my father so many years ago, where you see joy in other believers' lives, but it's not in your life. Maybe today you need to say, everything else has had me long enough I'm going to give my life to Jesus now. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from the penalty of your sin. You'll be saved from a lost life. You'll be saved from having to spend eternity separated from God because of your sin. You'll be saved to a wonderful life that God has for you. And in Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how bad you feel that you've been. If you just call on the Lord in faith, he will hear you, and you can be saved. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for reminding us that real joy comes from knowing the real Jesus. The real Jesus as our Lord and our Savior who came into this world to give us his joy so that our joy may overflow no matter what the circumstances of our lives. And Father, I pray for all who have placed their faith in Christ that today they would be renewed in their joy, deep in their soul. Even when they're not happy, they can still feel and experience your joy that sustains them. And Father, if there's someone today watching online or someone in this room or someone listening who needs Jesus, I pray that today they would call on his name. 
In fact, friend, if that's you, maybe you would say something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, talk to God, he'll hear you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to come into this broken world, this less than ideal world for a person like me. And I confess my sin to you today, Jesus. And I thank you for loving me enough that you died for me on the cross and you rose from the dead so that you could offer me life, forgiveness, joy, all those things I need. Jesus, today I turn to you and I place my faith in you, the real Jesus. And I call upon your name. Dear friend, if you've prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family of God. Don't take my word for it. Jesus said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Welcome. If that's not what joy brings, I don't know what is. Welcome into the family of God. In fact, I want you to let me know that. If you've made that decision today to trust Christ, let me know. If you're in the room, talk to one of our guest services volunteers or Pastor Matt, who's in the back of the room right now. Go talk to them and say, Today I've committed my life to Christ. If you're online, let us know. Leave a comment or go to our website and let us know. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in our lives and thank you for the joy of Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.